Staples show. We are taking a turn today. The last few months have been about what's going to happen. Is there going to be a season? Is there not going to be a season? Is there going to be a spring season? What did this conference do? What did that conference do? Well, right now, as we sit, we are 10 days away from two scheduled FBS games. They may or may not happen, but I think at a certain point, we have to assume they are going to happen. So, Today's going to be the day we start assuming games get played. And to talk about it, I bring in Ari Wasserman because we, we got to discuss this, Ari. What is this season going to look like? I mean, not just the playoff, conference races, conference-only schedules. This is going to be really weird. It is going to be very weird. And I'll be honest with you, Andy. When the Big Ten and Pac-12 canceled, I gave it 10 days. Uh, a week to 10 days before the rest fell in line. And now, like, this is becoming real. And, like, I always thought that this wasn't going to happen. I thought the Big Ten and the Pac-12 would be the first two. Then the other conferences and and people in charge would kind of decide and and understand that maybe this isn't a possible thing to do. And here we are. And maybe I'm wrong. Because I was listening to Bruce and Stu, and they were talking about how the (laughs) – how the – season was starting and it's like 10 days is nothing like they are they're practicing they're in pads they're hitting they're running plays like they've gotten this far now I'm going to be kind of surprised that they don't play and now it's time to talk about how crazy that is yeah exactly and that's that's what I was thinking about that over the weekend and I, I thought we have not done anything really to preview the season like the actual games that might get played and I realized we got some time like for the SEC they're not playing till September 26th uh, but the ACC gets started on September 12th. Well, actually, the, the Thursday before that. So I, we do need to talk about this. I, we, we're not going to break down South Alabama at Southern Mississippi, which is the uh, the first game, which is that Thursday, September 3rd. But I mean, it, this, is, this is a little bit odd because I guess we should s- start at the end and work back. And we'll start with the college football playoff because – you know, the, the college football playoff sent out a, a tweet saying, hey, we met. We're really excited about whatever it is this season is going to be. What What is the college football playoff going to look like? Is it going to be a four-team playoff decided by a group of 13 people? I don't know that they're going to be meeting in person in Grapevine, Texas anymore. They're probably going to be meeting by Zoom. But is, is it going to be the four teams that they pick and they're just going to pick based on these conference-only schedules? Yeah, well, I think that the, the the beginning point, this is like the reverse pyramid, right? Or the inverted pyramid. You start yeah. with the most important thing, and it's talking about the national championship. And the, the number one question here, Andy, is can you accept the national champion if these are the conferences that are playing and legitimize their championship? And, like, that's where you start. And when you break it down and you start thinking about the teams that aren't going to be participating – the Pac-12 hasn't been a factor in the national championship race for a while now. No. Um, and Although only I think one... Oregon, if, the, the, if they got the quarterback right. situation worked out, would have been a factor Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then, of course, you have Ohio State, 
um, and maybe Penn State or Michigan, depending on how far down the line. But you have one legitimate national championship contender, and Ohio State might have been the favorite. So if you remove those two teams, those are the two teams out of the race, I think it's easier to digest than removing two conferences because you, you can legitimize a national champion um, with the, the usual suspects. Oklahoma's playing right now. Clemson's playing right now. Alabama, LSU, all the SEC teams. So those two teams, Ohio State and Oregon, are ironically were supposed to play each other. So that might have eliminated one or made it hard for one of them to make the playoff. And I think like if you really like did some mental gymnastics, you could get to a point where you're like, if they make it through all of this, no spring football, the virus, all the things that would have to happen, a, a conference-only season, and it'll be harder to go undefeated in the SEC now. So like I think you could get to that point, and I know that that's like, not on brand for somebody who covered the Big Ten as long as I did, but I do think that if there's a national champion and they make it through the entire season, then the only people that are going to say that it's not real are the people who aren't participating. And you really only have two or three teams that had a realistic chance to even think they were going to make the playoff to begin with. Well, and, and I'll think back to even my freshman year of college and, and most of the time I was in college, well, I guess the first two years of college, you had the bowl, I can't remember if it was the alliance or the coalition, I can't remember which which one came first, but there was the bowl alliance and the bowl coalition, and then came the BCS. The BCS was when the Pac-10 and the Big Ten finally joined up. So like when I was a freshman in college, this is what it was. These were the conferences that participated in the race for the national title, and a Big Ten team or a Pac-10 team might get voted national champ but they weren't going to play in the game that was set up as the national championship game because they were going to play in the Rose Bowl. And the, the team I was on the, my freshman year at Florida needed Arizona State to beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl to make the Florida-Florida State Sugar Bowl the national title game because otherwise you, you had potential split national title or, or maybe they just vote Ohio State national champs. It would have been a very weird situation, but – I think that's a long way of saying I think there's a bunch of people who are old enough to remember when there was no system like this at all. When, you know, like Georgia Tech and Colorado could share the national title because that's how everybody voted. So I don't think it's that weird to half of the college football watching population to have a situation where somebody's going to say, well, I don't think you're really the national champion. And somebody's going to say, well, yeah, we are. But I think that's what's going to happen at the end of the year. They're, they're, they're going to crown somebody, and somebody in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 is going to go, no, wait, 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 wait. Our guys didn't play, so that's not legit. And they'll say, well, we're sorry about that, but the giant tube of lipstick goes to that team. Yeah, and I think it's like a really interesting thing because for the 70 or 100 year, I don't know, I'm not a – I don't know the exact number, but this is how they crowned a champion, by doing the best that they could. And like during a year where – the world around us seems to be falling apart sometimes, like then we're just going to have to settle for the best that we can do. That, that's um, it. You, you have hit on the motto of the 2020 <laughs> college football season. The best we can do. We're doing the best we can. <laughs> yeah. And like, I just don't know what it means. Um, the thing that I've always thought, Andy, and you can tell me if I'm nuts about this or not, but if they're going to power through, which it seems like they are, and they're going to risk outbreaks and they're going to risk student athletes getting sick, which I think they have to at least you know, understand is a risk going in and they do, then you want these kids to feel like they have a chance to accomplish things. Like once you get to the point 
where it's not you're not playing for anything, I think you're becoming it, it kind of becomes stupid. And I understand that money and TV contracts and all this is what's driving all of this. But if you're going to risk the kids' health and you have to give the kids a chance to win Heisman, to win a national championship, to play for something that matters, something they can cherish. And, you know, right now, I think that we can do that. The thing I don't know, and and it gets kind of complicated in my mind, is what do you do with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten if they actually play a season in, in January? Are you with me that you feel like it gets more complicated for them if the other leagues get to play in the fall? Yes. And I, I also am under... If they crown a national champion and there's actually a playoff and there's a committee and there's two games <laughs> that decide it and then a national championship, then you're going to put all the players in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 at risk to play in a Rose Bowl in March or April. And it's like, and that's kind of when it starts getting foggy to me. Like to me, if I'm like a, I'm a college football reporter, but I also love watching the game. You don't think you can be one without the other. I would be more willing as a person who enjoys consuming the sport to put everybody on the same page even if that means starting in January and putting everybody back on 11 playing field because the thing that I think is really causing all the issues right now is that you have fans of 20 or 25 schools and conferences that aren't playing resenting the rest of the game because they're still playing and then you have two separate schedules with two separate stakes and you have one team that was probably amongst the top two or three favorites to win the national championship that's not playing and you have another conference on the West Coast that doesn't have as much passion as the other conferences that are still in charge, but they still had a legitimate are you saying team. It just means less. It just means less in out west. And you know, I was in Santa Barbara last week, and I can understand why. So, like, you know, <laughs> you, you look to you look to your right and see the the Pacific Ocean, and you look to your left and saw mountains, and you thought, yeah, it's like, you know yeah. what? It's maybe not as important to to be number four in the college football playoff yeah. standings this week. Yeah. But it's just like, to me, it would be more exciting, Andy, if we were all back on the same calendar in the same place in the same boat doing it together. So, like, I I just, that's the thing that I can't get past. I can't get past the Alabama-LSU game without thinking, what does that mean for Oregon? Or what does that mean for the teams that don't get to participate? Because then what do you do? Like, it's going to be completely, and we, we did this on the last episode seven days ago, talking about the recruiting situation too about all the things that go into play and that's not what this episode's about but this is kind of really difficult to kind of grasp totally that's what I wanted to ask you about because we have a situation where if all this goes as planned the committee is going to be picking four teams based on who has played does the American become a power conference by default or is it just assumed that one of the ACC, SEC, or Big 12 is going to get two teams in? I think that they sh- the biggest winner in all of this is the American. Now, there's anybody Absolutely. Gonna, there's nobody's going to disagree with that. And I'm not even talking about the national championship race. I'm talking about the TV slots they get now. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, they're, they're going to be in <laughs> such better spots than they would have been. And there'd be people that watch those teams and go, oh, well, that's why everybody wants to hire Luke Fickle. Or, you know, that's why UCF keeps winning all these games. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's so fun about it. And I, I have a hard time believing that if Cincinnati or UCF or one of those teams or Memphis goes undefeated, how they won't be the fourth slot this year. Uh, yeah. I think that that would be fun, and I think that's one of the cool benefits of it. I, I would love to see an undefeated Cincinnati team play uh, as the four seed. Now, we all know it's 
likely going to happen. Mr. Stars Matter is not going to back down. I know it would happen. But I think it would be cool to finally put it on the stage to actually like get answers to the question of, could UCF, the national champions from two or three years ago, actually compete? My answer is no, but I still want to. I would still want to watch it. Well, and that's the thing. It's interesting because people like me who feel like an expanded playoff is inevitable for a lot of financial reasons, if, let's say, the American champ goes undefeated, gets into the playoff, and just gets housed this year... That may set that movement back a few years. Yeah, no, and I, and I think that's what would happen. I, I, I don't. It's not a, a swipe at the wonderful teams and the cool college football. No, I mean the Big Twelve champ got beat like that last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, it happens. And just because you got beat by the number one team in the country by thirty doesn't mean you're not a good football team. It's just another reminder of how good the number one team usually is. I mean, Ohio State, in my opinion, last year was one of the best teams in program history, and they lost. Right. Like I mean, they, you know how good lost, you have to be to win a national title. The team that got shelled by LSU. Yeah. yeah, you have to be really freaking good to win a national championship. So, like to me, it would be weird, Andy. But you know, obviously, I want to like not focus on will they get through the season and will it happen and all that stuff. This is not what this is about. What this is about is talking about when it does or if it does. And if they get through an entire season, they overcome not having spring football. There might be outbreaks. There might be contact tracing that causes people that aren't even sick to miss games. If you get through this season with or without Ohio State, I hate to tell it to you, Buckeye fans, the national championship is going to be just as fun. Everybody's going to watch it. Everybody's going to consume it. And at the end of the year, the team that is still standing um, is going to be the national champion. Now, what does that mean for the spring? I don't know. But I, I think it, the weirdness of what we're talking about right now will subside the longer the season goes. Right, and the thing is, everybody just needs to accept you have to live with the asterisk. There will be an asterisk on this season because there has to be, because two conferences didn't play, because there may be a situation like the Miami Marlins where a team gets knocked out for a couple weeks and they just don't play, and there's a big hole in their their results because they didn't play. It it, it may happen, and it's okay. You just got to let that go. I just think at times, and maybe I'm even guilty of this too, um, we're making college football bigger than the problem. And like the problem is we're in the middle of a pandemic. And what you said at the beginning of the show is absolutely true. Like we're doing the best we can here guys. And like, I don't want to act like Ohio state this year because this team is the team that we're talking about with the one that's being left out. This might be one of the all time best teams. Justin Fields coming back. They've got NFL talent everywhere. Like I understand for the fans of Ohio State, how painful it is to see the potential all-time great team not get to play. There's desperation oozing off the fan base, out of the coaching staff. Um, Everybody who's affiliated with Ohio State football is clearly upset and sad and what-ifs and all the things that you can say about it. But there's not the only team. And if other teams are deciding that they want to play, then we're all going to watch it, whether you live in Columbus, Ohio, or Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Like, we all love the sport, and we're still going to watch it. This happens in my family all the time. My wife and I want Chinese, the kids want pizza, and everyone is craving Froyo. Fortunately, there's something for everyone on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos 
or you can choose your favorite national chains like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, so just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code STAPLES. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code STAPLES. Don't forget, that's code STAPLES for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Let's talk about teams that are planning to play right now, because this is the most intriguing one, I think, of all the, the teams planning to play, Notre Dame, because Notre Dame is playing a conference schedule this year, and it's one of those hell freezes over things we thought would never happen, but here it is, Notre Dame playing for a spot in the ACC championship game. Are they good enough to get one? Yeah, I think they are. I mean, that conference is kind of bad. Like, I mean, I don't want to... I, I don't know. Good. If it, it's good at the state... top if you have a tiger paw on your helmet, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it sort of goes downhill. I think that you know because they're doing it where the top two teams without divisions. Thank goes, right? God, never go back. Yeah, <laughs> and so like to me, I think it's Clemson and one of the seven other teams that won the coastal the previous seven years. Is that what we're doing? And Notre Dame, who do you take? Like I like when uh, I got. I would say Louisville it, or Florida State might have a chance. I, yeah. I, I think Florida State's going to be better under under Mike Norvell, but but Notre Dame. If you just stack them all up right now, we would say Clemson's easily number one. I, I think we'd say Notre Dame's number two. Yeah. I mean, and I would say that the spread of the ACC championship game would be 14 and a half. But I think that, you know, between number one and number two is a big gap. But, you know, I went to Chapel Hill and, as you put it, got macked. Like, I believe that UNC is on the right track. I don't know if they're there yet, but they have they got you know, a some things cooking. They've got a quarterback. Sure. Um, you know, and, and Louisville obviously made – some big strides last year. I still have some questions about Florida State's talent right now. Um, but when it comes to being the number two team in that conference, I think that you could make a legitimate case for four or five other teams. But right now, I would put Notre Dame like comfortably in that number two spot. Um, I know that they have some outbreak issues happening on their campus right now, and I know they're fighting through it. I don't know exactly what is going to be the result of that. But in terms of just football team in general, like in Clemson one, Notre Dame two, and then like a pack of four or five that are trying to like bite at Notre Dame's heels. Meanwhile, we've got this SEC schedule, and, and I wrote when they released it, don't ever – another yet another don't ever go back. You just play the 10-game conference schedule from here on out. But this is what we've always heard from them is there's no meat grinder like the SEC schedule. Well, now you get the whole thing. Now you get 10 games, and we're going to see. Do we? Let me ask you this, Ari. Is it possible there's a two-loss SEC champ this season? I think I heard somewhere, and I'm going to go do this right now while you're talking, but I heard that like the win total in Vegas for Alabama is 7.5, and, and I'm going to go find my credit card if that's the case. Uh, because I do think <laughs> that there will be a team that um, has one or two losses that wins the SEC. I think that the fact that they don't have that weird F, uh, CS game in the middle of their conference and, you know, some of the crossover games are, are kind of interesting, but like if you look at it and you know, I don't have the SEC schedule like ingrained in my brain. I just know that Georgia and Alabama got a huge break from the crossover games that got scheduled. So when you put those um, into the pot with it, like I don't think there's a chance that Alabama is going to lose three or two times. Like I think that we're going to have a nine and one SEC champion. Um, I, I think nine and one is probably accurate. I, whether it's, whether it's Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Florida, 
the champion, you're probably sitting there. Well, it'll be ten and one because you won the the championship game. But I think I think you're right about that. I do think there's there's potential for some games where you go, oh wow, and it's it's not even a how did that happen sort of thing. I think you know look at look at Georgia's schedule where they go to Tuscaloosa and then the following week they go to Lexington. Like that has trap game written all over it. That's. That's like in 2010 when Alabama had to go to a really good South Carolina team and Alabama was playing like the fourth game in a row against a team coming off an open date. Like you knew something had to break at some point and that, that's where it broke. But there's a few of those instances in the SEC schedule and, and if you ask us, Malzahn, he feels like that Auburn got all of those. But that's the other piece of that. There's some really good teams sitting there because it is – the 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 top of the SEC is pretty pretty deep. Now the bottom is pretty bad, but the top is pretty deep. So if you've got to play Auburn, if you've got to play Tennessee, if you've got to play Kentucky, if you got to, I think South Carolina could actually be pretty good too. So if you are LSU, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, you got to worry about all those games. Alabama is playing um, at Mississippi, which I know is a joke, but Mississippi has given them. A little bit, not not going to be a problem this year. Just just because Ole Miss's defense really needs to be yeah reworked. But you know, just a weird game. Um, but then you have Georgia, you have at LSU, and you have Auburn. Like I could see the fact that they're playing Georgia, Tennessee, LSU three out of the four weeks being a problem. And like I love that we're breaking down the schedule right now. Yes, and we're doing and we're doing it that in in the case that we think they're going to play right. But yes. here's the thing that we can't ignore. And this isn't saying that I don't think they're going to play, but I think that we have to understand there's a realistic possibility that major players on these teams aren't going to play certain games, even if they're not sick. That, that's exactly so, right. That, that, and, and I think if you look at that, depth obviously matters, so that's good for Alabama or LSU. But you know who it's also good for is like Texas A&M and Florida who have a bunch of veterans who've played, but also some younger guys who've played in, in decent spots who are ready to come in and, and take over. I mean, like if you look at Texas A&M secondary, there's like eight guys that you'd feel fine starting. And I don't know that you feel that way about a lot of teams. So the, they're going to have to deal with that. But the, the teams that have developed some depth are they going to be the ones that, that really benefit from that. And you're right. There, there are going to be times when guys are sitting out. Remember, we haven't even talked about actual football injuries. Because that's going to happen too, especially given the way the run-up to this season has worked. I'm happy that we've kind of honed in on the SEC a little bit because it's college football and that's where it means the most, right? Uh, there's no mountains in, uh, or beach in Tuscaloosa. Barbecue, no, no mountains in Listen, in there's beach. some really good apartment complex pools, but no beach. Every college has those. Um, but like the thing that I, I, I think is interesting is like a team like Texas A&M is the perfect example. You have a team that is probably what in the top 7 of the like blue chip ratio rankings right now and like if they have to end up playing Alabama when two or three of their best players were at a party where somebody got sick and can't play cuz they're being quarantined, like that's the type of team that could sneak up on you and it's like what's crazy to me about the SEC and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before but I use Tennessee as an example. Last year Tennessee signed the number 10 recruiting class in the country. They were number seven or eight in their own conference. So, like, signing a top ten recruiting class in the SEC doesn't hold the same weight as, as signing a top ten class in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. The two teams, coincidentally, that are programs 
conferences that aren't playing. So, like, I think you have a lot of talent in this conference, and mm-hmm. if you have a team, even Alabama, that is missing players because they were in the wrong place or because they had unintentional or intentional contact with somebody who, who tested positive, like, you have a lot of capable teams just from a talent standpoint that can win football games that they wouldn't otherwise have won when mm-hmm. teams like Alabama, Georgia, or LSU are susceptible because of those things. And yeah. on top of that, the injuries, too. David Ubbin and I did a, a, a comparison. David covers Tennessee for us, and he broke down the talent level based on recruiting rankings of Tennessee versus Florida because if you look at it on, on the field, it's such a lopsided rival. It's not even rivalry. Florida's won 15 of 16, and the results the last few years have been very lopsided. But if you look at it from the recruiting ranking standpoint, they're not that far apart, and, and I think you're right. I would argue that obviously Alabama and Georgia and LSU are the three at the top of the SEC. They've recruited the best. But Auburn, Texas A&M, and Florida, and Tennessee all are right there. And if you have the wrong guys missing on the wrong day, you're going to lose. Friday was a big day at the Staples house. Why? Because my new case of chicken ribs showed up. That's right. Chicken ribs. It is chicken. It tastes like ribs. Authentic smokehouse barbecue. They did all the work. They smoked it low and slow. Especially chicken thigh with one bone left through it that you can eat like a rib. It's smothered in pork rub. It tastes like pork ribs, but 75% less fat and fewer calories. These things are great. I eat them all the time, which is why I'm so excited they got another case of them. And oh, by the way, I'll take you behind the curtain. Just because they're a sponsor doesn't mean they're sending me this stuff for free. This stuff is so good that I'm just buying it and I'm using my promo code Andy to get $10 off my order because I love it. My son, who never eats anything, loves chicken ribs. And it's just a fantastic, great meal that I can get and have ready in seven minutes. Here's how I do it. Take my chicken ribs. I put them in the air fryer for five minutes. Then I coat them with ever so slightly a layer of sauce, just a little thin layer. Put them back in the air fryer for two minutes. You get that nice candy glaze on them. They are delicious. Great barbecue takes time, but chicken ribs makes it easy. Fully cooked from the smokehouse, chicken ribs are authentic barbecue ready in just minutes. Go to www.chickenribs.com and use the code Andy today to get $10 off plus free two-day shipping. I just did it. Trust me, it works. Who doesn't love perfectly smoked meat for the big game, whether at home or the tailgate or just for dinner? That's www.chickenribs.com and use the code Andy for $10 off plus free two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like a, a really good point. Um, and, you know, still, like the difference between Florida and Alabama, because I did that too, remember? Like oh, yeah. I think that Alabama signed 10 five-star prospects in, the, in that five- or six-year period and Florida only had one. So, like, there's still, like, a huge discrepancy between those two programs. But Florida is talented enough to walk into the Big Ten championship game on the west side every year. Like, and right. I just think that's the difference between – a, a conference like the Big Ten and in, in the SEC, you've got some top heaviness in both conferences, but I think the middle of the of the road teams in the SEC are a much better um, composition of talent than the middle of the road Big Ten teams are. So, like when you're talking about like the meat grinder of a schedule uh, during a time where there's uncertainty about who and and why people might be missing football games, 
Like, I do think, like, when you put it in those terms, it's easier to say, well, there'd be a three-loss SEC team. Because you and I were like, 9-1 and one makes a lot of sense. And it does from a pure football standpoint. If you told me Alabama wasn't going to be missing players, I think 9-1 and one is good. But, like, maybe I should put my wallet back on my pants. Because when you think about it in the other terms... You should keep your wallet you could- in your pants at all times, Ari. <laughs> I, I, I think if you had no open dates, I think we would have to say there is definitely going to be a two-loss SEC champ. But because there are open dates... And it's funny because when the schedule came out, people people got really mad that that LSU and Alabama had an open date before each other, and Florida and Georgia had an open date before each other, which they always do. Like, I don't understand why people are mad about something that happens every year, but <laughs> apparently they think that's a that's a conspiracy. Yeah, it is a conspiracy because SEC football can't just be normal. Like, there's nothing uh, straight up above the above board in the SEC. So that makes sense. I mean, I don't know. They're just doing the best that they can to play the games. We're just and doing the best we can. Can we just like name it? Just come on. We're all having a good time. I mean, <laughs> that's exactly. We're just, we're just, it's like, it's like the relationship when you're, when you're in college, we're just talking. Yeah. We're just talking. That's, <laughs> that's all we're doing. We're not, we don't need any labels here. Let's not call yeah. this a season or a championship. We're just yeah. talking. We're just playing. So, I just think it would the, the, I think the number one takeaway from my vantage point in this whole discussion is it's worth playing as long as there are things to be won. And at right now I think that that's a doable thing. I, I think you're right. Now, we we've not talked about the Big 12 yet. And the Big 12 obviously is Oklahoma or has been Oklahoma and everybody else still feels that way, although I would argue that if Texas can get going, if Oklahoma State is as good as we think they might be with everybody coming back. If Iowa State is pretty good, there are landmines in the schedule for Oklahoma as well. Uh, the Texas thing's interesting to me because I, I always felt like Tom Herman wasn't really in any trouble after last season, but he played the get-out-of-jail-free card and replaced his coordinators anyway. And then you have a pandemic and no spring practice, and so all that stuff you have to squeeze into to this preseason practice. Now, the good news is, You've got Sam Ellinger. You're not worried about doing a quarterback competition or anything like that. But that's still you're, – you're installing a new offense and a new defense in a very compressed amount of time. I think Texas is back every year. I, I, I do. Because like, stars matter to you. They right? have more talent on their roster than Oklahoma. Did you, do people know that? Like they have more blue-chip players on their roster than the team that's kicking their butt every year. And I know that the the – the Red River game is is a lot of fun, and Texas has won and covered, and you know I, I understand that, but like Texas should be better, and yeah. I don't know like what the deal is in terms of like why that's not the case. Tom Herman is a wonderful uh, coach, smart guy. Um, I saw what he did up close and personal with the the fourteen Ohio State quarterback situation. Like I have confidence in his ability to coach, but for whatever reason, that just hasn't turned on. And, like, Texas got the number one player overall in the 2022 class and a Texas quarterback. So, like, the future seems bright. But, like, something is just off. And I don't really know what it is. Because it's not like they're playing in a conference that they can't win. They have one game against a rivalry uh, in a rivalry situation. And that rival is kind of humming right now as a quarterback. And what's interesting is, what's going on? As dominant as Oklahoma has been in the league they've not been that dominant against texas on the field either you know that even the games they beat them they don't blow them out right i think texas has covered like only i think five out of the last six or something like that off the yeah, top it's, of my it's head. not like oklahoma oklahoma state which makes no sense from the other direction like oklahoma state should be better in bedlam than it has been but it's 
it's one of those things where it when Oklahoma and Texas get together, you realize how close they actually are. But then it's when they're playing apart that Oklahoma sort of separates itself. Yeah, well, and, and the most ironic part too is that it's not like Oklahoma's going into the playoff and contending for legit national championships. Like they're they're showing that even the fourth team in the playoff rankings are there's a huge gap between one and four. Um, so, like I don't know what it is. Texas like almost lost to Kansas last year, and I watched that game and. Tom Herman had kind of a funny news conference afterwards where he was kind of fired up. And, like, I remember that. But it's just like, why is Texas almost losing to Kansas? And, like, I understand that upsets happen. I've seen some pretty big ones up and close and personal the last few years. But, like, it's just not – something's not computing there, and I'm trying to figure out what it is because they are, like, the exception. Them, Texas A&M, and Clemson, which is made up of my – in my opinion, the best – staff in the country in terms of analyzing high school talent are the like stars matter um examples to people who don't believe it like what about texas is like the number one question i get and i don't know how to explain it i i don't either and and, you know it used to be you'd say well because their rating would get inflated when texas offered them but people have been hip to that for years they've not been inflating a rating because of texas offer you know it's texas's evaluation has been questioned for quite some time now so i i don't know i don't know where that is i do think this halloween game where texas goes to stillwater may be one of the biggest games in the league this year because that may decide who plays against the sooners in the uh in the big 12 championship yeah and it comes what two weeks after the oklahoma game so like Mm -hmm. it's um, you know, if you look at Texas's schedule, if they can somehow win two out of the three um, in that three-week stretch of Oklahoma, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, like, and that win ha- and the loss isn't Oklahoma, then like they are the uh, favorite, in my opinion, because the rest of their schedule—West Virginia, Kansas, Iowa State, and Kansas State—like, I know Iowa State's up on the rise a little bit, but but that's they should be that's able to in win Austin. That. They they yeah. seem to not do well in Ames, but they do okay in Austin. Now, I will I will say that Baylor games in Austin after an open date so that's that's a helpful thing that said you lose that Baylor game after an open date when you know you probably need it that's that's bad so yeah it it, that actually could be kind of a referendum game depending on how the the Oklahoma game goes yeah and like I think the big 12 as a whole is like the really fun conference to compare to the AAC like who do you bring like, if you have an undefeated UCF or undefeated Cincinnati team, who both of them seem to have really good teams coming back, and I don't know about Memphis or even SMU, but, like, if one of those teams is undefeated and you have a one-loss Oklahoma or a one-loss Texas team, like, in the way that the the schedule is panning out right now with the way it looks, do you take the one-loss team from the Big 12 that hasn't fared well on that stage in the last four years? Do you try to, like, do the interesting matchup that will kind of give us some more insight onto like what Clemson slash Alabama versus Cincinnati might actually look like. Yeah, and and now Cincinnati's an interesting case because they're going to play Austin P at home to start the season on September 19th. They don't play again until October 3rd. They play USF uh, in Cincinnati, and then they don't play again until October 17th. So they've got they've got three games basically in a six week span to really work some kinks out. And, and you know, USF's going to be one, the new coaching staff, they're trying to get everything, get a lot of transfers. That's one you can work some kinks out against. At Tulsa, another place you can work some kinks out before you play at SMU on October 24th. Because here, here's here's the, the gauntlet for, for Cincinnati. This is, this is pretty rough, actually. 
at SMU, Memphis at home, Houston at home. Houston, by the way, is going to be much better than last year because they were essentially tanking to wait for the uh, the guys that were sitting out because they transferred. And then that is a, so funny to me still. By the way, oh, I, I know, I, I know. <laughs> I well, but, and then you've got a Thursday game against ECU, which. Mike Houston's going to make them better. They 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 almost they played Cincinnati tough last year in Greenville. And then you go to UCF and then you go to Temple. So, like Cincinnati, if they're undefeated, they will have earned it in late October and November. Like Yeah. I might I might be willing to vote them in to the playoff if they're sitting there undefeated and there's a one-loss Big 12. Well, let champ. me just let me just point blank ask you. What game would you rather watch, Clemson, Oklahoma, or Clemson, Cincinnati? If Cincinnati's undefeated at this point, Clemson, Cincinnati, because I know I what's going to happen in Clemson, Oklahoma. Right, and I think we both know what would happen in the Cincinnati game, but we haven't seen it, and there's some value in seeing it. Um, and like that's what I think. You know what? This season is weird already. Let's just make it as weird as we can. Like, and I don't know. Like, Agreed. I don't know. I I don't know. Like, if there's any room to wiggle in terms of. Expand, expanding playoff or experimenting in new ways of doing things or, um, you know. See, I, I think they should expand the playoff. I think the champion of every league that got in or every league that played should get in and then two at-larges and do an I think that playoff. would be amazing. I think that would be amazing. Because and I think everybody wants that. Yeah, and, and, and what you it, – it, it's a further pointy stick in the eye to the Big Ten and the Pac-12, which I imagine the commissioners of the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 – and, and the American, would like to put a pointy stick in, in their eye because they were the one, especially the Big Ten, was the one that went out on its own without telling everybody on, on July 9th when they went to the, the conference-only schedule. So they might have all been together had that not happened. And now they're not. So as, as, a, as a punishment, they go, you know what? Y'all aren't going to play. Guess what? Sunbelt champs getting in the playoff this year. Yeah, I mean... I. I don't know if the teams or the conferences that were trying to be as prudent as they could to stop players from getting sick should be punished, uh, but like it kind of feels like they're living in that punishment world right now well, because and, they're and, not and playing. Think, yeah, they, they have bigger issues as basically every story that comes out of Nebraska tells us. Like The Big Ten is not together right now, and that was the most functional conference in the world for decades. Everything worked. Everyone was in alignment, and now they're not, and it's really weird to see. So that's a much bigger issue. And, and like you said, their reasons for not playing were right. They, they were good. You can't criticize them for the reasoning behind not playing. You can criticize the timing, the method, everything else, but you can't criticize the reasoning. So this year they're playing um, schedule or be conference-only schedules. So like this is the most pure time to only take the conference champions because Correct. this is – so if they do it this way, that would be great. And even if the Big Ten and Pac-12 aren't playing, if this weird season that has an altered playoff shows us how much more functional the playoff system can be as a result because they embraced the weird, then the Pac-12 and the Big Ten teams that aren't playing right now are going to benefit from that in the future anyway if it turns into playoff reform. Well, here's the thing. If you're the Pac-12, why have you not been advocating for an 18 playoff since the start of the playoff, you're going to yeah, get I mean, left out most. most years. You yeah. are you are abdicating your responsibility if you're Larry Scott and you're not begging for an 18 playoff because you need to get your league in it.
You know what's so nuts to me too about the Pac-12 is that, and the thing that always just drives me crazy when I'm writing about recruiting is that it's a such a, and it's the same thing with the ACC outside of Clemson. It's such a winnable conference. And it's like, I don't know how one team on the West Coast, which has a ton of talent, and that used to be USC who would waltz into the postseason and, and go through their season, how one of these teams can't recruit California well enough to beat the other crap in the conference to get to the playoff every year. Like, the fact that they keep getting left out is a joke. And, like, I know Oklahoma has been a worthy uh, candidate and has, despite a, a terrible defense, still statistically been able to do that because their offenses have been so fun. But, like, you have to be a special type of bad right now if you're USC from a recruiting standpoint and a coaching standpoint to not get into the playoff during an era where Oregon is down. And, like, Washington State, is Washington State outside of Oregon and USC the most functional contender for the big for the big selection there into the, into the playoff right now? Because they were in it, like, a few times in, like, week seven or eight the last few years. Like, what are we doing out there? Well, I, I could ask the same thing of the schools in the state where you grew up. Uh, and I actually think Arizona State is on the right path. Oh, God, don't even get but, me started. But, we're 30 minutes into this thing. Here, here's the deal. <laughs> we're going to stop it here because we've we have gotten to the point where we're trying to fire Clay Helton and the poor man's not even playing this fall. So, you know what Clay Helton's doing, Ari? He's what? doing the best he can. He's doing, like doing the best else. that I can. <laughs> I, I, You know, I want to fire uh, a few other Pac-12 coaches. I don't know if we have time, but Clay Helton is just the person that gets the most attention because he's at the most functional program that's expected to be kind of good. I think there are other teams in the Pac-12 that should be much better that there should be some firing going on. But, you know, I don't it's know if you want to have me on a week this from fall, now. Ari, because they're not playing. You can't yeah. get fired if you don't play. Yeah, this now is, since you're not Eddie losing. This is the Eddie Murphy gif where, yeah. where he's tapping yeah, the, his forehead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, uh, and the, co- the conferences now can maybe try to recruit to the future because they aren't losing this fall. Um, and then maybe they can sign, like, recruiting classes. I went to the University of Arizona. I could recruit the U of A. There are a lot of three-star prospects in the Midwest that would want to go to college there for free. But you take you know, them again, from where that Marriott is. I'm sure you put them up in that Marriott right next to campus. Yeah. And you just walk them across campus to the football complex. Yeah. I guarantee you, if you have a group of five of, of the player you just mentioned, four of them will commit before you even get to the building. And if it's in December, not December, November and it's 74 degrees outside and the sky is purple and there are mountains and you see everybody who's walking by that has a pretty passionate crowd for a team that's not very good. And this is way off the rails, Andy. I'm so sorry. But if you start talking about some of the teams that I in the state that I grew there are too many things to sell if you have the right person in charge for Arizona to not le- at least be the 35th best teams in America. I'm not even saying go to the playoff, but like to be this terrible – is a joke. So we started out intending to talk about the teams that are going to play, and we ended <laughs> up trying to fire the coaches who aren't going to play, and that's terrible podcasting by us. But you know what? We're doing the best we can. We're doing the best that we can, Andy. That's all anybody can ask this season. And yeah, it sure as hell seems like there's going to be a college football season. Maybe something happens between now and next Thursday that changes that, but it seems like we're on that path. So... I hope you're doing the best you can. Ari and I are doing the best we can. We're going to just keep trying to do that for an entire season. We'll talk to you later.